Good evening, you're listening to Three Moves Ahead. I am Len, I'm your host for this week, and uh, with me are our very good friends, Fraser Brown. Hello! And John Bolding. Howdy. And we are finally getting to talk about uh, Dune Spice Wars, the, the first Dune RTS since uh, 2001, actually. Um, which, believe it or not, I was told was in development well before the recent movie was announced. Uh, so it wasn't it's not just uh, an effort to to capitalize on uh, on Timothy Chalamet. I mean, you um, can tell, right, because it, they've got like no yeah. similarities, really. <laughs> it was. Yeah, because Funcom was uh, trying to figure out what they like, how to get a game out of the Dune IP, I think, for, for like a decade now. Right. It changed hands. For the people who own it now. Yeah, yeah, and it's uh, Shiro Games, makers of Northgard, which uh, I think we all are pretty positive on. Yeah, definitely. The community. I think I upset a uh, bunch of people when I said it was so much better than Age of Empires. Um, I mean, it is. It, 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 it is. is. It's just facts, right? <laughs> just facts. Uh, yeah, I, I want to see more RTSs that have that kind of worker placement uh, model. Um, uh so if it if it isn't a, if it isn't just another movie tie-in game, uh, Fraser, what is Dune Spice Wars? It's like Northgard, but not as good. <laughs> <laughs> right out the gate there. Yeah. Yeah. All uh, right. Okay. It, it's got some of the it's territorial like, control of Northgard. It, it, it's an RTS that's not really completely an RTS. It's also a 4X, but it's not really a 4X. And it's like Northgard, but not really Northgard. Not really that June. I'm not sure what it is. It's quite boring. Uh, maybe I'm being too mean straight away. Uh, <laughs> no, I think it's fair to say your reservations right out the gate because... This is not a finished it is game. Not. It's early access. That's this true. feels like what Northgard must have felt like two years before it came out. Yeah, I, I, right. It, it like, does have that yeah. thing where, like, you can see they have all the foundations there, right? They've got the yep. spice. They've got the sandworms. They've got all the kind of the factions. You know, it's like, hey, it's the spacing <laughs> guild. Got, hey, you know, we got your spice. We got your sandworms. We got your chome. <laughs> what the fuck? What? What more do you want? Like <laughs> they, they, they basically had a list. What do we need to have for a Dune game? And yeah, they've mostly put that in the game, I, which is good. <laughs> it is good. I like that about it. In fact, it has things that I wanted to. I would want to see in a Dune game that actually rarely make it into Dune media other than the original book, which is pleasing to me. Like this, this is clearly based on the book, uh, though right. it does make some really pleasant sort of blends and inclusions from the recent movie to make it look a little more familiar, I think, to people who enjoyed that or who are getting into Dune for the first time recently. Um, and I think maybe we should say right out of the gate that this isn't, at least for me, this is the kind of game that I wouldn't necessarily have reviewed on Three Moves Ahead, uh, done, a, done a podcast about, simply because it's early access and it's at the stage of early access it's in where it's quite new, it hasn't sort of made contact with a community yet, and therefore had game balance shape around it, right? And And how people play the game, it hasn't had that extended development time where people are interacting with its systems. But I think that we're doing, at least for me, I wanted to do a show on this because I really respect Shiro games and Northgard ended up being such a good game by the end of its life cycle that I feel whatever they've done next deserves attention in the same way that we would, for example, immediately review Total Warhammer 3. Like Northgard's one of the best strategy games of the past I don't know, five or six years. So like this, this demands attention. Also, it's like 30 bucks. I mean, I think we should cover it just because, you know, I, I work for PC Gamer and I know my SEO and I know people are interested <laughs> in Dune. <laughs> yeah. Frank yeah. Herbert's dunk. It does. It does do some numbers on the, uh, on the old uh, Google analytics. Um, yeah. I mean, I really liked it. I feel like, 
I'm going to end up being the Dune Spice Wars defender uh, has logged on uh, here. You are you're not alone. No, no. Um, no, it it is always really interesting because, like, I think I post I tend to post my thoughts on stuff I'm playing in the like 3MA panelist group chat more than other people do. But I often don't know what anybody else actually thought of something until we sit down to record a show. So it's always funny to see people like flip over their uh, it's almost like flipping over your cards in, in like Werewolf or the Battlestar Galactica board game to find out uh, where everyone's at. My uh, dog is trying to eat uh, my Ethernet cable, so I'm going to stop him doing that. <laughs> OK, yeah, you probably should. I, I think that could be a problem. Uh, <laughs> he's he's really mad that you called Dune Spice Wars boring and he's like, I'm just cutting this off right now. Um, Cosmo is, in fact, a Lido Atreides second stand. That, yeah, that was embarrassing. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh well i guess on a more basic level so i mean if you've played north guard it's i i think that it doesn't really have like the worker placement aspects of north guard as much it's more like you're kind of like going around and capturing these neutral villages and then you build buildings in the those neutral villages um it has kind of a manpower mechanic which i guess is a little bit similar um but it's it's uh it's a much longer game it usually takes about you know somewhere between like two and a half and four hours depending on if you know what you're doing and what victory condition you're going for and it all kind of revolves around this um obviously it's dune so you're collecting spice but sort of the the what I would say that the strategy component that everything else is built around is this little slider where you are always deciding how much spice you want to bank because every uh, I think it's like every 28 days or something, you have to pay a spice tax to the spacing guild or you lose reputation in. You got to pay the lands. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So it has a different effect depending on what uh, faction you're playing as. Right. right. Like you can sell. You can sell to Chome, which is the, for those unfamiliar with yeah. the IP, the Imperial Spice uh, Company, right, for money. Or you can bank it to pay your sort of bulk tax, but depending on who you are, that money goes to a different person, right? right? If, you're the, if you're the Harkonnens or the Atreides, you pay the Imperial Spice Tax. If you're the smugglers, you pay the spice as a bribe to the spice tax collection officials so that they ignore right. you while you operate. And if you're the Fremen, you pay it as a bribe to the Spacing Guild to not tell anyone else that there's like, you know, 80 million of you on this planet. And right. No one else has somehow noticed. Yeah. Yeah. So it's 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 your main way of making money. But then it also has this taxation mechanic where like it, it becomes a, a matter of you, you kind of want to sell it when it's high because the value fluctuates with like the the exchange rate between spice and money. Um and, you know, if you bank a lot of it when it's really cheap, you can end up kind of coming out ahead, uh, which uh, I think that's probably the most interesting new thing going on here. Um, Taxes, the most interesting thing in this game. <laughs> wow. This Dealing is three with, moves ahead. Big hey, praise. Uh, I, I tell you, if, you know, yeah. if you're wondering like who uh, this game is for, it's for people who fucking love paying taxes. <laughs> if you're getting engorged <laughs> at the thought of paying taxes, well, get Jin. <laughs> well, let me tell you, the, uh, the, whatever the emperor takes from me is, is far less than the US government wants from <laughs> self employed people. I would much rather uh be paying that tax uh after especially after this last year where it's like oh now you're a successful self-employed person oh we're just gonna take all of (laughs) get wrecked all of your dreams away i'm just so Um, frustrated with the whole like every single tax season you have to pay more it's like, hey, you've yeah. managed to pay your taxes. Well done. Next time you're going to have to pay more taxes. And it's like, I don't want, I would just not be on Arrakis. I would just go to a nice planet. <laughs> I, think that's, I think that's kind of, uh, I think that's kind of a sensible conclusion to draw from the Dune <laughs> that's, franchise is just don't that's go the to problem, Arrakis. Right? Don't go to Arrakis. Is like, Arrakis is yeah. bullshit, right? The Dune the Dune franchise isn't about reasonable or sensible people. Like they're off in some <laughs> nice watery corner of the world on a on a pretty ocean planet with like paradisical tropical islands. 
this is the section of this universe that's about meth heads fighting in the desert, (laughs) right? Everyone here is an addict (laughs) trying to murder the other addicts so they can have all the drugs. I I lived in a city surrounded by the desert for a couple of years, and it was shit. It was so bad I went to boarding school to escape it. (laughs) So you've actually actually lived on Dune. You've actually seen, you know. I've seen desert, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ask me anything. Um, it's yeah. it's dry. <laughs> it's hot. It's dusty. It stings your eyes. I mean, like I'm not. I don't want to be like all Anakin about it, but I don't like sand. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I've been to Nevada. I've you know that's there's some there's some weird defense contract stuff going on out there. Um. Uh. Yeah. So it's. I kind of liked the the fact that the tax goes up just because I think it's a good driver of conflict in the late game. Like I was playing a run as the Atreides where I I kind of had made friends with the Fremen for like the entire game. And we had like a research agreement. We had, you know, we were just trading back and forth resources that we didn't need or whatever. Um, And then it, it eventually gets to a point where it's like, ooh. Taxes are are getting a little high where I'm going to have to like run a a deficit, like a monetary deficit in order to to hit this next milestone. And, you know, the the Fremen have that big spice field that's just like right there. Like, I feel like it kind of is necessary for it to escalate like that because it it eventually forces everybody to uh, kind of fight each other over whatever spice is available because there's not enough for everybody to keep paying their taxes as they go up and up and up and up. But wouldn't um, you be fighting them anyway? Because the whole point of the game is to come out <laughs> like, I, you know, I've used this ex- or like not excuse, but I've you know said this is a positive thing about many games. It's like it drives the, the conflict. But this is a game that like from straight away, you're in conflict with these different factions. You are overtly competing with them. I didn't feel like I needed to have escalating taxes to make me want to go and beat up the Harkonnens or something like that. I just did they're, because they're the Fremen. They're our friends. Nobody's friends with anyone on Arrakis. Everyone's an <laughs> asshole. <laughs> I and there's I found it uh, uh, a really successful driver of not necessarily just conflict, but expansion. Mm. Right, and a key part of the like it, it makes this more of a four X that uh, there's an external pressure to force you to get bigger build more things, exploit this planet more. It it feels like a very thematic decision in addition to one that works just purely on a game design sense. Um because I don't I don't know about you guys, but I've finished two entire ga- two like two and a half games of this and I have not seen any games where the entire map was filled. No, I have Where haven't. every territory was under control. Right. So there's almost always space out there somewhere that you could go and grab. And a key thing, I think, is that. Especially later in the game, or if you're playing as the Fremen or the smugglers, you can get away with like having a, a very non-contiguous empire. Like you can sort of you can be like, oh, that's this little spot of territory all the way across the map is sweet. I'm going to, you know, figure out how to get some people over there and I'm going to take it over. Right. And that gives you a lot of useful strategies and it it makes the map a little more dynamic, but you, it's not easy to expand. I don't know about y'all, but I often found myself in a hole where I'd expanded and taken some territory. And then I realized that it had put me in a place where, ah, crap, I, I don't have enough material to, like, I don't have enough water or I don't have enough plascrete or whatever to keep expanding. Yeah, that's one of the ways I think it really does feel like Northgard, because I think one of the the great things about Northgard is it never it never really lets you get to a point where you're comfortable with all the resources that you need. You're always kind of running low on something because it's balanced that way. And I think that's very much has carried over into Spice Wars as well, where like there's class greet, which you actually need for buildings, and there's also like influence, which even if you take over a settlement militarily, you still need to spend influence to keep it. Um, and then there's... Yeah, you have to spend influence to make it be part of your uh, 
I don't know, civilization part, join right. your crew even. And I really like that that part of the game exists specifically because you have to spin that influence or you're just militarily occupying a town, right? Like that, that's your that's your call. Yeah. And then there is a. I, there's the the other resource that I keep wanting to call influence, because, but it's the one that you use for political, like grand political maneuverings. What do they what do they call it? It's the blue one. Is it not influence? Blue stuff. No, influence is the little like marble column. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Influence is the one you use on Arrakis. And then there's the one you use in the lands rod to like pass resolutions and stuff. And I can't remember love what the, that. I love the word Landsrod. Yeah, it's. I just yeah, it's ca- I just keep calling yeah. them the Galactic Council. They, I mean, yeah, that's Ooh. basically. Um, you got to at least call them the Space HRE. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, I like I like that it always keeps you hungry for something. Um, I think it's possible to do that in a way that feels arbitrary and not that great. That's kind of where I ended up sitting. With like city skylines where it's like, yeah, I'm always going to need residential or industrial or commercial somewhere. But that's just because the game is sort of arbitrarily coded to like make those bars go up and down. Whereas I feel like Spice Wars and Northgard do a good job of just like the way that the systems are set up. It's never going to let you have like a comfortable surplus of everything. Cosmo is just like knocked yeah, half no... of the, like half of my desk over. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> he just jumped up and knocked a bunch of stuff that was on my desk. He's like oh, no. fucked you. I mean, I he- I hear you, man. I hear you, Cosmo. <laughs> oh, the shy halloo. Uh, yeah. Um, I just find the whole thing kind of dry. Um, it's just well, it is doomed. Yeah. Hey! Oh. <laughs> oh no! I mean, I've used that. I, that was I've so used that bad. Pad too many times already. I feel it's worn out. It's welcome, uh, Cosmo. Shut up. Um, yeah, I I just felt that it was missing so much of the atmosphere of you know of both the movies. You know, not just the good one, um, but also Lynch's <laughs> one and the books. It was just. Like, there's obviously a lot of Wait. stuff that is very much inspired by Dune and wouldn't exist in any other game other than a Dune game. But it's, I'm so distracted by this dog. God, stop squeaking. Um, but uh, it just, it feels soulless. And again, this is something I guess that really? will come maybe in, like, at, it, during early access or by the end. But I was just dead bored. Like the 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 politicking and the, you know the political maneuvering and stuff like that just rang really hollow for me, uh, and it also just it felt isn't why are the smugglers on this council? A bunch of criminals are getting a vote. What? <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit weird that like, and I, there's well, like some lore related to like how the you know the smugglers can kind of become a minor house. Like that's when you get like some votes later on is I think that's sort of what that's supposed to be representing. It is a little weird that there's currently four factions and there's this Landsrod council and only two of them like really have any business being there. <laughs> the other ones so are the- just kind of like paying bribes and like greasing wheels to like in basically influence the council's decisions by way of corruption, which is, is kind of funny. Yeah. So in the, uh- in, in the book, in the novel, the smugglers are extremely powerful. Um, basically, like the it, it is a full on like drug prohibition and control situation where like anyone who can get their hands on spice illegally gains an incredible amount of power. Right. So the smugglers are implied to have a lot of Al Capone esque connections with politicians and other minor houses and even major houses while while the Fremen are able to influence galactic politics through the spacing guild by being like hey spacing guild we'll give you some extra spice if you you know behave in this way for us or you help us make sure that this or that why are the fremen Um, making factories i don't understand this game (laughs) because they're they're people and they like to have i don't know whatever comes out of factories cookies (laughs) 
Yeah, like there are some differences in how they work. Like they don't use harvesters. Uh, they just they they send people out to collect the spice. So you're not going to have like sandworms disrupting your spice harvesting, um, which is interesting. There's there's some like cool asymmetry going on with the factions. Can we talk about um, the sandworms? Because fuck the sandworms. <laughs> <laughs> they are. They are an ADHD person's nightmare. It's like, oh, you, yeah, you forgot uh, to look at the uh, notifications at the top of your stream. Uh, now your harvester is dead. Um, I got in one situation where I was yeah, trying I, to take over a settlement. And every time I sent some people in to take over the settlement, but halfway through the battle, it's like <laughs> sandworms are coming. <laughs> and I'd have to run back. And by the time the sandworm had gone, they'd healed my enemies at all healed up so i basically just had to keep like recruiting more and more so i could just overwhelm them wait. quick enough because the sandworm kept coming back wait why did you do why didn't you just go stand on the rock area by the settlement where the sandworm can't get you because i didn't realize you could do that because like I, <laughs> what, <laughs> what? any any area of ground that is uh stone with like sand all over it, you know that sort of i didn't rocky i did not, no, it did not look sufficiently different enough like i guess i did like when i at in the last fight with them i guess i did actually keep them really close to the settlement which i guess is why that worked uh, i just yeah, that was not that's well, exactly that's how that works it's, here's but it is it's a major point of ui friction where there's this really vital notification that can pop up that somewhere halfway across the map, one of your harvesters is about to get eaten. And you can be like, huh, I wonder what I should vote on in this cycle of the lens, Rad. Yeah. Uh, uh -huh. And then the harvester just gets like, like the guys in the harvester are like, well, everything's vibrating, but uh, no one's come to pick us up. So I guess we're just going to choose death. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's like, it's not it's not as bad as you would think because like Incorrect. the harvester re <laughs> the harvester respawns like automatically you don't have to pay for it that's if true it's upgraded you have to restaff it which uses manpower which is also needed for your armies but it's it's more of like a, a temporary disruption in your economy more than it is like oh man now you know it's not like losing a base in starcraft um right it's not it, but it can be pretty damaging. Yeah, uh, it, it can it's make you miss the kind a, of thing. It can make you miss a tax payment, which is very bad. So it's not actually like super fun to just uh, have to pay attention. Like it's a it's a major friction point for attention in UI, for sure. Yeah, uh, I would love to just have a big center screen pop up that's like, "Hey, dickhead, sandworm coming! Uh, please deal with it." But, and you uh, can put them on auto evacuate mode but they produce a little less spice, right. which is weird. It's like for a game that is as, as Fraser calls it sort of, sort of boring and dry. I found it to be just very relaxed. It is, it is definitely sort of a dry game uh, jokes aside in that there's not a ton of personality in it yet, but so when, when Cosmo's trying to like relaxed a rug or something, I don't <laughs> want him to eat. I find that like spraying that area with um, cologne really helps i don't use cologne very much um so mostly my cologne is used to stop cosmo from causing mischief why don't they just spray cologne all over the harvesters i believe that's a, a major plot point in, in some of the later <laughs> yeah books. i mean i don't know the the ones written by his son get super weird but i think that's what happens <laughs> so that's the thing Waters Carver never wore cologne so he just did not realize you could do this <laughs> You know, if it, if it's a water-based cologne, water is very hard to come by on Arrakis. So maybe they, you know, it it would they could have cologne shipped in from off world. Maybe I a sand-based cologne, a lovely dusty cologne. <laughs> it's abrasive, <laughs> but it smells great. <laughs> like a like a dry shampoo, but uh, Fraser, I'm curious. Like, what's your relationship with like the books and the movies and the Dune franchise in general? Because I was kind of surprised to hear you call it like soulless yeah i am um, so i read the books the frank herbert books when i was a kid and then i even read the uh the really bad ones the prequels and stuff like that which honestly i enjoyed they're bad but they're fun uh <laughs> and i you know i love 
the the Lynch movie. It's I actually don't think it's a bad movie. I think it, it's it's you know the bad movie compared to the new one. But I actually think it's got it's bold. It's fun. I really like watching it. And I thought the new one, despite being so far up its own arse, it could lick the <laughs> back of its eyeballs. Um, I actually enjoyed it a lot. It was beautiful and it sounded incredible which is two things that i think the game is missing but i just i think the issue i had with it is that there's no real personality with any of the factions like i went harkonnen first because i'm like yeah let's play the the worst ones i love playing a, a big fat guy with boils and postules uh, who likes to go for a swim in the middle of the day um but i actually just did not feel I was playing this like villainous faction. Uh, there, like you can treat settlements really badly, and you could be ultra aggressive and stuff. But there was no real narrative. It it felt like no matter what faction I played as, even if the mechanics were subtly different, uh, their tone and personality remained entirely the same. Uh, it just yeah that and for me, Dune is not. A get, uh, you know, a, a movie or a series of books just about spice harvesting and resources. It's about people and families and factions and intrigue and betrayal and politics, and that's just not really that doesn't exist in the game. No, I think you're right to a certain extent. There, there's a my dog is losing his mind. There's a relationship <laughs> with. Uh other factions but it's a really abstract number that's sort of hard to move that dial up and down and it's weird that like some like they'll give you you know random ai taunts sort of civ style they'll just be like wow look at uh look at your sad ass economy you shithead or they'll be like wow look at your little shitty not good spice operation you got going or like thanks for building that upgrade for when i take you over like all those sort of nonsense it's like, i see you really um, like spice no shit mate we're all here for the same reason you <laughs> dumbass <laughs> yeah we're all here to get high and experience transcendent reality <laughs> so realistically though like what dune as a game is doing is not the same as what dune as like a, a property is doing and it's weird because you've got these secondary characters too you have to pick these advisors who give your faction a little bit of custom oh God, ability I completely of some forgot kind about them that. because really you just pick yeah, them at the start they, and that's it you never think about yeah them. they never come up again which like i wish yep. like north like you're never gonna talk to them yeah, like Northgard lets you actually deploy heroes who are like specific to each faction that are like characters on the map. And like I wished I could do that with like Dunk like Duncan Idaho. I want to deploy him to lead my armies, or like maybe, you know, Lady Jessica can like I can pop her down and she can use the voice to like speed up the special Atreides diplomatic annexation thing. Um that's something I would really like to see them do before yeah. this comes out of early access. And the advisors it's have a difficulty a... setting, right? Which I find slightly confusing because I thought it would be like, oh, they're <laughs> they're going to be like harder to deal with. Like you've got this like really great advisor, but oh, he's too busy like getting high on his own supply <laughs> or like being right. a dirty you've got, shagger. You've got Lady Jessica, but she's going to be like, I'm going to make you do some stuff. Yeah, but right? it's not like that. It's yeah. What they're really saying is this ability is just not as good. <laughs> it's like this is not or this ability like you you have to go out of your way to yeah use or it's this, like oh right. really gonna come into like its own in the late game or something like that which is just kind of right kind of boring as well like i just i just want some characters oh, there really? are, there are named characters there why can't we do anything with them the no the mechanical choices with the advisors at least for me was great i thought they were really interesting there was lots of meaningful play style decisions yeah, and they are make. meaningfully like, oh, different I'm gonna, I'm gonna focus on on spying and intrigue mm -hmm. um this playthrough so we're gonna you know folk do that i think that the the thing is that all these people in the game like you've got all these agents that you send around and you've got your advisor characters and you've got the enemy and their advisor characters who you, you know by spying on them you can figure out which advisors they've chosen so which kind of strategy they might be going for but there's all these people, none of them interact with each other. They rarely even talk to you. Um, it just doesn't have just like the voice, the background noises, 
the music, the kind of things that made Northgard so appealing and characterful just aren't in this game right now. And so it's really weird to play it because it's like, I mean, I know this is it's like playing Northgard with the sound off. (laughs) Yeah, but the thing I think with Dune is that it's it's ground up a single player game, right? There is there's no intention for this to be a multiplayer game. And so it's allowed to have a more relaxed pace. But I don't know that a lot of people really remember what a 4X RTS looks like. Like it's been a long time since Sins of a Solar Empire was like the new hotness. I think and that this is they definitely are trying to, to do eventually something add multiplayer though, right? Like there's there's an option on the main menu for it. It's just grayed out. Right. Yeah. It it, it is. It's just I don't think that they're going to design from the ground up for multiplayer. As you can tell, someone has just walked by, by my door and Cosmo is furious. It's like, how dare you? How dare you? I can't actually hear it on my end. I'll have to see if it's oh, really. It's like because I'm getting all no. like big, big waveforms every time he barks. It's Discord must be filtering it. Yeah, because yeah, uh, it is super loud. I'm very embarrassed. Um, I'm sorry. Cosmo, <laughs> you suck. I'm going to send you to no, a rackus. <laughs> I do think that like the the. The one area where I would disagree about um, the the idea that it, it kind of feels like a less soulful Northgard, I do think that Arrakis looks fantastic, especially at night. What they do with the absolutely light, what they do with the lighting, where everything just kind of turns like blue and tranquil. Um, uh, when I interviewed them, they said they actually brought in a geologist to talk to them about deserts so they could figure out how to put lots of different kinds of deserts on the map. So it just didn't look like a giant sandbox. And uh, I think they've done a really good job of that. Um, and I do. I really yeah. like actually the landscape of Arrakis. Northgard was sort of take it or leave it. It's yeah. like, ah, oh, it's some what is this? dollar store pharaoh islands i have no idea where i am (laughs) so Um, i would recommend not getting a geologist and using the money they spent on a geologist to hire some narrative designers and some writers (laughs) because i think they would have a much bigger impact on the game (laughs) well there is going to be a campaign too so the writers you know and a um uh, working on that but i think they're they're missing an entire faction too oh really yeah i believe that there's plans for a fifth faction yeah i mean Northgard ended up having like and they yeah they got DLC like a bunch of DLC ones yeah a, a dozen yeah if this is supported as well as Northgard I think the future is probably pretty bright for it um yeah I mean like some of the some of the abilities you're talking about were like uh the Harkonnens probably aren't my favorite they have like a literal oppress button <laughs> where you can click it and oppress your settlements to get more stuff out of them I mean I do um, have nostalgia for for like 2015 EU4 sometimes though, you know, like I do <laughs> oh, just yeah. want to click the oppression button. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think that like a lot of the places where that character comes out is in sort of the design of how their army rosters work together, which I thought <clears throat> was like thematically appropriate where, you know, Atreides are the very uh, Atre- Atreides. I'm trying to not say it differently every time I say it. Because uh, when I was reading the books, I wasn't really thinking out how to pronounce things. The only um, people that care about how you pronounce this fictional name uh, are people who suck. So just call them well, what you want. Call them what you want. Dan, Dan Stapleton did make me re-record uh, every instance of the name Atreides in my video. Well, it review, sounds so. like Dan sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm um, not going to ask him a commission terrible, for anything. I'll say it right about now. Dan. <laughs> um. Yeah, so I mean, like, but like even the Harkonnens, like they have their their basic uh, ranged unit does a splash AOE that includes it it even damages your own guys. But then their base melee unit does more damage, the more health it loses. So it's like, yeah, I mean, it's very much like some of you may die, but that's a sacrifice I'm willing to make. And also, uh, if you blow if we blow each other up just a little bit, uh, we'll actually fight harder. and then, uh, yeah, the Fremen have like later stuff in their tech tree where they can cross the deep deserts, which are like instant death if you try to just run across them normally. 
uh, and they get a lot of like stealth stuff and like ways to tie down opponents in melee so you can maneuver around. And I even kind of liked how the sandworms force you to not just like ball up your army and and just charge them all in at once, because it's actually how quickly they show up is based on how many units are fighting in a certain area. Because they can hear so all these little of, feet pattered away on the right. sand. Wakes so them up. Yeah, and so you, like you, you never want to do the like right. right click attack. Just like, oh yeah, go attack that, and then you like go do something else, like you do in other RTSs. Right. Yeah. So it actually kind of encourages you to do these flanking maneuvers and these little like kind of surgical strikes. Um, so yeah, I, f- I feel like the the character of the factions it's it's not quite there yet, but it is. Um, it's clear to me that that's like a priority for them, and I like those little interactions that they've already kind of built in i think the the mechanical detail the mechanical character inside the game itself of the factions is quite good it's really interesting design i like how they play i like how they're very they feel quite different from each other um and additionally you know you brought up the deep deserts i do think of a very strong point of the design in this game is the geology geography of it and how you can how you're limited in moving from from place to place and you have to sort of say like oh well i really love to fight this opponent that's actually very close to me but the largest thing right between us is a deep desert so actually I, i'm not gonna fight that person until much later in the game mm-hmm. um and i like how the different factions have their own ways of of moving around or focusing on movement um the smugglers are great they get you know they get stronger when they defeat other people's units and scavenge or the Fremen get more survivable or you can pick one of the Fremen leaders that makes individual Fremen units stronger when alone. Right. So it mm-hmm. allows you to send out and expand really quickly early game or to put a raider in your enemy's back lines and blow things up with it. Um, that feels really great. Like I, I just, I quite like the mechanical bones of this. And I think if they can get the politicking and character of it to be a little stronger it will become a very good game. But for now, it's hard to say like, yeah, this is definitely a a must play at this moment, unless you are curious about RTS mechanics and that's going to keep you entirely engaged with it as being like, oh, I wonder if I can make a really strong intelligence operation and then back it up with like raids to cripple my opponent's economy, right? But unless you were really focused on that aspect of play. I will say something nice about it because my mum always said, Fraser, even when you hate something, you should say at least one nice <laughs> thing about it. And I would like to put, I, I don't hate Doom Spice Wars at all, not even close. I don't think it's bad. I'm just not digging it. Um, but I did like how when you captured a settlement, instead of just like reinforcing it with your own troops, you create like actual troops within that settlement, specific to that settlement who will just guard it. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah the, like local militia because it's always it's really- like right. it, it, the thing that i i don't really enjoy about a lot of strategy games is when you've taken something over it's like right now you have to reinforce it to protect it blah 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 and it's like a bunch of admin bullshit basically but here it's just a couple of couple of clicks and you've got like three three people protecting it and that's you know usually enough to to fend off raids um or at least for long enough for your actual troops to come in and lend a hand uh, so I actually thought that, yeah, that was just, it was one last thing I needed to worry about. Um, one last thing to, to faff around with. So there you go. I said my nice thing. All right. Back to shitting all over <laughs> we're so, it. Um, we're so <laughs> proud of you. <laughs> now, one of the other things I really liked about the geography is that everybody kind of starts on like the outside edge and it's, mm. it's the North pole of Arrakis that you're on. And when you get to the very middle you get to the polar ice cap, which is basically the main source of water in the late game. Like water is very, very scarce. It's going to limit a lot of what you can do because like units need water. You need water to take control of settlements. And uh, so there is this like king of the hill sort of thing that develops later on where, uh, you know, you really, really want to get a hold of that polar ice cap and fortify it because then, you know, you have much, much more ability to expand than your opponents do. Your armies can be much larger because uh, the army cap is actually pretty small for most of the game. Um, you're you're going to be talking about six to eight units most of the time, it seems like. 
Uh, yeah, if you have 10 plus units in this, you have a huge army. Yeah, yeah. It's much like Northgard in that respect. You know, like you're going to be managing <laughs> five units. Yeah, it's not really an yeah, army. You're yeah. just you're sending the lads out into the desert, aren't you? <laughs> just a few, a few lads having a good time getting eaten by sandworms. Yeah. That's completely true. But then the, the issue is that by the time that sort of becomes a concern, um, the uh, Atreides, uh, Atreides auto win um, timer has usually started to tick down. And that is really my biggest issue with the balancing right now is that there's there's like three ways to win kind of three and a half. You can kill everybody's bases, which is practically impossible because like main bases, even with a late game army, are pretty hard to crack. There's like a sp a spy operation that will shut off the turrets, but even with that, it's like, yeah, I, I this thing has twenty thousand health, and I managed to do two thousand damage to it before the turrets <laughs> came back. That's on. really funny that you say that because I found that the absolute easiest way to win. Really, as which yep. faction? As the Fremen. Okay, interesting. Yeah, I mean, you use uh, that spy operation, the thing just becomes crippled, and the AI is kind of shit enough that, like, they don't always remember to move their units back to fight you when you're destroying their main base. Okay, interesting. So, yeah, you just kind of um, walk through all their territory, and, well, you ride a sandworm through their territory, right up to their base. That, that um, does you help if you get... Take the front door down. Yeah, if you get a sandworm on your side. Um, but the, the way I played, I think, I've played seven games of this so far, and in six of them, uh, it ended whether I was playing them or not when the Atreides got voted governor of Dune, which is basically you have to control a certain number of settlements. You have to be allied with a certain number of uh, sieges, which are like the big underground Fremen settlements, and they become revealed over time with technology. Um, and then you have to like, you know, trade with them for a long time and then they'll be your friends. And then you just have to pay, pass a resolution in the Landsrod, voting yourself governor and wait like five minutes and then you win. And I found that that was overwhelmingly <laughs> likely to be the way that the game ended. The, the other ones are like you can assassinate the enemy leaders, which I never even tried to do. And then there's like a basically a score victory uh get 25 000 reputation or prestige or whatever yeah yeah that's interesting i've never i never saw the atreides i never saw anyone get voted governor of dune interesting uh, okay. when playing as the atreides i ended up with twenty five thousand fun bucks or prestige or renown whatever it is before uh <laughs> i got voted governor of dune and as the fremen i blew up everyone's bases and as the smugglers i was on my way to having everyone assassinated interesting okay what what do you two uh, think of the arbitrary uh choices of the like the political stuff where each uh landstrad there's like you have to vote on like hey who are we gonna screw over who's gonna get this benefit <sighs> i just found them terrible because there's no real context I, to them and it's like why would you have this thing where you're like here's a policy for the next year we're going to fuck over one faction how how does it how does like a galactic government function like that <laughs> well spoilers about um doing the books it doesn't <laughs> it yeah, does not yeah. function um i but felt like yeah i felt like i, I was, think it's i'll go for it john sorry lynn go ahead yeah oh i i think i felt like i was missing something um because i know some factions for sure atreides eventually gets uh, an ability where you can re-roll a certain number of resolutions but i spent hours trying to figure out like what how how do these specific resolutions come to the floor and i think it's just it random. didn't know it's entirely random and it just which, it random. makes no it's sense super weird to me that's that's that part of it is super weird to me like i feel like i should be able to spend my influence to get a specific resolution I want onto the floor. Yeah, you put or to make forward it a bill likely. or something, just like you, you, that's yeah. how it should work. But instead, you've got, okay, <laughs> this session, we're going to like make it so that one faction has like way more maintenance or something like that. And I'm like, where's this coming from? <laughs> like, why? How does this? There's just no context to it. I, I yeah. thought it was like a bug. And some or of them are just weird. They'll just yeah. be like, 
minus 30% water production across the whole planet. And I'm like, where'd the, where'd the water go? What, what, (laughs) what are we doing with the water? Are you, are we just, are we sending it off? Why are we doing? Okay. Anyways, I think that it suffers the Lanzarad section because it is sort of blatantly the most unfinished part of the game, right? There's this whole interaction and black box there where like, Everyone gets X number of votes. You'll have like 100 to 150. Not everyone. The Atreides and Harkonnens get like 100 to 150 votes at the beginning. But the really, like, it's brutal, actually. The weirdest part of it is like there are 400 votes among the like minor houses, quote, mm-hmm. right? But there's yeah. there's no way to interact with the minor houses. So right. like, who knows? And those votes don't always all get spent. Like there's, there's clearly some diplomatic element there where you should be able to interact with the lands rat in a deeper yeah, way. I couldn't do the math there because it just, none of it really added up. <laughs> yeah. It, it's yeah. very, it's very random and arbitrary feeling. Like there's I, the no, only there's... consistent thing I noticed was that the same resolution never comes up, comes up two times in a row. Like yeah. That was it. And there's, there's not even like any indication of how, the minor houses are going to vote or like no. anyway, yeah, there's not influence. Like, well, what is the attitude of the minor houses towards my house? Like it's, it just seems to be mostly arbitrary. Um, so yeah. The other thing that like, I haven't like actually crunched the numbers on this, but like you mentioned, the Atreides and the Harkonnens have official representation the the smugglers can eventually get official representation they can get some votes but then they can effectively buy votes right yeah you you become powerful enough yeah you got votes now yeah um but then like beyond that everything is influence and especially the fremen they they have to spend influence to do anything in the lands rod and i don't know if they really get anything to make up for that it makes sense in the lore i just feel like balancing wise what do they get to to balance the fact that they have limited representation politically and i just feel like it's currently it's nothing (laughs) the fremen the they they do they're they don't really need it it was my experience playing the fremen they're really good and it means they don't uh, get screwed over in the same way with the like harkonnen atreides constantly trying to like screw each other over with the resolutions right yeah and they can um they get hit with a lot of the negative ones but like also a lot of the negative ones don't affect them at all because they're like yeah i don't really give a shit what the landsrad thinks of me oh no okay minus 100 landrad representation for attacking enemies i don't have that right uh, these things can't really affect them, and they also are much better at obviously working with like the sieges on the planet itself. They're able to ally with them That's even true. when they're not in their own territory. The the Atreides right? so they, are even better at allying with sieges, though. <laughs> well, they they're better at it, but only if the sieges are sitting inside Atreides territory, right? Like, yeah, if you're playing as the Fremen, you can go and find a siege in someone else's territory and then convert it to your side. Uh, which is quite powerful and very satisfying and funny to do. Um, <laughs> but the the Fremen do also have the ability to, um, one of their leaders, like I think if you have Chani, you're able to say like, this is bad each round of the lands rad. You can put like a, a negative thing on one of the, uh, what's it called? Resolutions or something? Mm-hmm. Uh, on one of the bills up. And if it passes then every a town in everyone else's territory will revolt which is like shitty and apocalyptic oh, when you're I playing as one that. of those groups how's that yeah. a resolution i don't understand how this works it's not, it's not a resolution it's basically her like spreading propaganda among the native people of like they're gonna do this thing to screw us over so we should riot if they pass it um, and the <laughs> smugglers can place a bounty on resolutions and be like everyone who for every vote someone else places on this you get uh, you know, five coins or what have you. <laughs> yeah, so fucking no. stupid. Let's 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 talk about the settlement revolts because that was one of my biggest criticisms that I called out in the early access review, is that it's it just it it feels like just a fuck you button that there's really mm-hmm. nothing you can do. Like you, there are not enough tools at your disposal 
to to deal with it because your army could be all the way across the map fighting the Harkonnens or something. And then they could just be like, yeah, uh, your um, little town on the other side of the planet with the spice harvester. It's now in revolt. Um, your militia is not going to help. The militia just goes to sleep if there's a settlement revolt. Uh, sometimes if you have another settlement with a missile turret in range of that settlement, they can help a little bit. But otherwise, it's like, yeah, you just got to run your guys all the way across the planet and the settlement's already going to be taken over by rebels by then. And and uh, uh, you're going to lose all your buildings and your spice income from that. It'd be cool province. if you could appease yeah. them, right? Be like, hey, you know, you've, yeah. you've had a shitty time. <laughs> so, in, you know, so instead of drinking your own piss like you normally do, <laughs> why not have a lovely cappuccino? Cappuccino's for everyone. Yeah. You know, but yeah. no, it's uh, it's definitely one of the fucked up things in the game right now because it's a spy operation, right? It's yeah. what your enemies are spinning their gathered intelligence on. And it costs like 400, but everyone fucking hates you by the time you're winning. So everyone is spending their 400 intelligence every time they get it on making a rebellion and using it on fucking you. And the thi- the one good thing about it, other than just being like a sort of inherently completely broken game mechanic, uh-huh. um, is that it does it does at least really encourage you to remember one of the most key things in the game, which is mobility really matters and being able to move your army around. Yeah. matters. So like building those airports. Uh, so that you can fly units from one side of your empire to the other, does it? It really does something, and uh, that's nice. As does you know keeping a thumper around when you're the fremen, so that you can rapidly move across the desert. That's true. I I don't think I got I I never like built enough airports. That was part of my problem as I was just marching everywhere, which you can kind of get away with as the fremen because you, they do they have thumpers and they have like bonuses to moving across uh, like deep desert quickly and stuff. Yeah, they lose supply on their units very slowly. You can carbon neutral, no airports. (laughs) (laughs) No airports. Lens return for the environmentalist. Reject. Exactly. Reject airport, return to sandworm. (laughs) Why, Why would we ever build airports on a planet where almost all of it is infested by giant sandworms that will eat you? Try to walk across it. Um, yeah, oh, uh, I, you know, I got to do the thing. I have to do my one thing. I'm really sorry. Well, Fraser's going to love it because Fraser likes to shit on this game. I'm I'm just messing. Um, the ornithopters. <laughs> They're not ornithopters. Yeah, they've designed them based because it's funny that the, the game was conceived before the movies because they they just look like the movie variant, right? Oh, yeah, they definitely did plenty of things to make this. I actually do familiar. like that look, I will say. I actually think it's a really cool design. But yeah, it's... It looks cool as hell, but it's not an yeah, ornithopter. Right. <laughs> it kind yeah. of bugged me a little bit too, because I am a massive nerd. Uh, but yeah, a cool design just doesn't make sense. <laughs> yeah, I think the, the unit art could definitely use some work. The building art oh, could really use some work. God, just don't um, make you, your th- cities look like just big refineries, for fuck's sake. Yeah, like uh, uh, Arakeen just it looks kind of like blocky and weird. And uh, like the little like factories and stuff you put down, they don't they just don't feel very dune. They feel like kind of too clean. They don't really feel like sand blown and lived in. Yeah, um, this the siege art for the two more native factions, the smugglers and the fremen, is much more like what you would expect yeah. from Dune. But then they start building these weird little blocky buildings outside, and you're like, "Well, that's fucking strange." Yeah, that doesn't. Yeah, that is kind. Though of I do love the the little like collection of tents and stuff uh, that is the fremen refining operation, like spice collecting. How, right, how weird right. is it that you have to place the buildings as well? I mean, that that itself is not weird. It's just weird because there's no real point to it. Uh, th- there, There is a point to it, which is that someone else can come be a dick and blow up your buildings. And there are specialist units for that. It's just as of now, the AI is so bad at, at combat, as is the tradition in RTS, <laughs> that it can't like it doesn't understand how to interact with the map well enough. Like it'll attack from the same direction in the same province over and over and over once we see a multiplayer, I guess, mm, and they can that's when it would be more stuff. interesting, yeah, right? Like, yeah. any, like I, I got a lot of mileage while playing as a Fremen. It's just like I had like a crew of three saboteur units that would just roll out of the desert, blow up a harvester and run away. Oh, yeah. And that that's, was very effective. That, that's a very tactic. 
yeah. run in, yeah, run in, blow up their expensive, pretty new Plascrete factory they just built, and then again run away. The Fremen do a lot of running away. Well, the the other bravely, the other though. thing though is, <laughs> yes, I very bold running away. <laughs> I didn't see this very often, and this is probably just clearly an early access oversight, but it is possible to have a settlement where there is not enough rock around it to f- to build all of the buildings that you're allowed to build. <laughs> oh, really? Uh, yeah, because you can only build on rock. And a couple of times I have seen a settlement. I'm assuming there's some amount of random generation going on here. And that's probably why this edge case can happen. And there's definitely like, an oversight, right? Because you're definitely yeah, only yeah, physically there is only physically room for two buildings. Like <laughs> it's kind of Kind that's really person. fucking funny. I, yeah, I never so, saw anything like that, but that yeah. is a ra- that's one of those glorious things with random generation where sometimes yeah. you you get that. I did see a province that was uh, almost completely inaccessible. Like it was in like a corner of the map and yeah. it had one one tiny avenue down the cliffs into it that was like wide enough for one unit. But the unit had to go like two provinces north around another cliff to go down through those two provinces and get into it. And it was, I was like, wow, this is a, this is a shithole, isn't it? Just fuck this place. I, I quite like uh. that when you're going out exploring and you find these sort of anomalies, mysteries, explorable things, like nothing you actually find is that interesting, but it feels like this, it's created a space where interesting narrative events could occur. Right. Yeah. There's yeah. the like, there, there are these little mystery encounters around the map. Unfortunately, there are only three kinds, yeah. <laughs> and they continually respawn. So it's like the first couple times you're like, "Ooh, a crashed ornithopter. Ooh, an abandoned refinery. Ooh, a Fremen camp. Ooh, some ruins." And then after that point, you're like, "Oh, more ruins. Oh, another abandoned." Yeah. But this is a yeah, space that can like be a- developed quite a lot, and I think that would yeah. make up for what it lacks in, uh, in story, in narrative, in surprise. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Adding yeah. like a, do- a dozen pop ups that do different interesting things. You know, like, oh, I found a dead enemy agent in the desert. Um, yeah, would go and, a long way to making it more interesting. And just giving you options that aren't like a straightforward like A or B reward. Like I can choose between mm-hmm. a little bit of a resource or like a, a small boost to a specific technology or like sometimes it'll be like a a temporary ornithopter. Like it's. It's a, yeah. it's it's out of warranty. It's not going <laughs> to hold up very long, but you know, you can get some exploring done with it. Um uh yeah. I did I did uh, find that a weird part of it and um the the exploration aspect could use some work. Mm-hmm. It it's just so weirdly early access. Who to thunk yeah. it? I'm just sort of I mean it says it on like <laughs> oh no, oh god, it does what it says on the tin. Like we're all horrified over here that this game is exactly what they said it was going to be but it is weird to see inside a studio that made a very polished first release uh create this and and release it but because they've got another early access game on the go as well that's the thing this is their second in a row and they've not finished that other early access game give me a second cosmo's barking again cosmo it's just someone standing outside you don't have to protect me and what are you going to do? You're a cockapoo. <laughs> no one's scared of you, man. No, I, <laughs> I was actually kind of, I was kind of surprised how polished it felt for day one early access. And maybe that's more just that my expectations for early access are so low at this point. No, that, I mean, that's but, fair. Uh, it is like polished. Yeah. It's not buggy or yeah. broken or it's the, it doesn't really have any sort of yeah. weird, annoying quirk that feel like they need to be repaired but um it, it's just thin you know it's just yeah, I, there's not much like i played one campaign yet. and then i played half of another and i was kind of like uh, and i sort of fin i i just kind of finished it up but i wasn't really like the first campaign i was like oh this is all new and interesting and it only it's only like two hours three hours long so I, it kept me engaged but already by the second one i was like i don't really want to play this anymore there's some surviving Mars DLC I've kind of got my eye on. Maybe <laughs> I'll play that. And I did. And I had more fun. <laughs> they finally added trains. They we, we gotta did. do a tra- train episode. It's actually the the, it's the, the, the train stuff is is cool. It's like that it's a small game changer in the early game. But we're not talking uh, about surviving Mars. We're talking no, about a no. game that's not as fun. Dune. 
the espionage stuff did either of you yeah mess around a little with bit that much i felt like that was where it was just okay there's now there's too many layers i was with you right up until now and it's like it's crucial to the dune universe to have espionage you can't just not have espionage but it's like the the amount of mental things i was having to juggle was fine up until i had to start like figuring out what to do with my spies because you can't just place them you also have like this intel resource that builds up and i was like i'm just trading it away Mm. to the smugglers for money because i don't know what to do with it i've got a funny feeling about why you were getting so many rebellions <laughs> because you were trading away all your rebellion bucks to the smugglers and they're like mean, well I we're was... just gonna we're just gonna turn this into rebellions and send it right back maybe so i didn't find it one layer too many i just felt that it wasn't a very engaging layer uh you know like every few like you know a few minutes it's like hey you've got a spy put him in a slot and or are they gonna spy on harkonnen are they gonna do stuff for the spacing guild and it's like i i like that i'm able to interact with all these different factions including sort of off-world factions it's kind of cool but actually the payoff wasn't really there for me yeah i think you're right it's um the the sad part about it is like there's feels like very little reason to spy on the other factions because the game is so economy focused Mm -hmm. that the economic bonuses you get from sending your spies to just go spy on the spice company and like embezzle some funds is so much greater than getting some extra intel that you can use on x y and z power from uh spying on the other factions there's just very long term the thing that's going to make you win is more money or more manpower not like a little bit of sabotage or rebellion or two exactly i think where where the game really lost me was when some i was talking to someone about it and they're like wouldn't it make more sense for like a dune game to basically be like crusader kings and i was like fuck you're right that would be so much better uh it would be perfect is there like because i actually don't know if there is there should be a dune mod for crusader kings because it feels like that i don't think there's a better game for that yeah it's it's really weird that there wasn't a, a prominent dune mod for ck2 and there should be one for ck3 yeah so especially with all the like um you know the character stuff that. like the i, I just want to see yeah. people dressed up in the ridiculous futuristic get-ups yeah uh-huh Oh, yeah. yeah. And that kind of just ruined it for me because I was like, you're right. That would be like a fucking brilliant game. I, I mean, I, I to some degree, I understand that because the fact that the CK2 Game of Thrones mod exists ruined every other game of every other Game of Thrones game for me. Um. So, yeah. Uh. Where where does it go from here? I mean, Fraser, I think you're kind of the, the person who is the least. Um hot on on spice wars right now what what would you like to see uh on the roadmap for early access uh i don't really know because i just i'm i'm so met about it that i'm not like oh i'm excited about what's coming next i don't really care what's coming next i think it's lost me um i i think the foundation is okay. is solid but it's just i think their goals for this game are really quite low and and i just don't think it's ambitious and and weird and that yeah that's what it's it's not fucking weird enough dune is so weird it is so yeah. weird and this game is so plain very plain we, we need the sardaukar chanting guy we need uh some some dudes in tubes that would definitely make a difference and I, I need a dude to um reach out to like a sort of twinkish slightly dressed uh little servant and turn a key in that guy's heart so that all his blood comes out <laughs> yeah exactly yeah yeah so, that is my primary yeah. issue that that there, the there, thing that would needs, make me there needs to be a victory condition where you become part worm um yeah that that uh like i, I do I feel, I do feel kind the... of bad for saying there's nothing they can do to make me interested in this game uh because I, yeah I, I i as i said i don't think it's bad or anything I, I just don't think that this is a good dune game and i don't think they're making a good dune game it might be an okay it might be a decent strategy game by the end of development in fact it, it probably will be i think shiro games are there it's a talented developer 
but I, I don't think they have any hope of making an interesting Dune game that will make me want to come back. Uh, interesting. I mean, I'll keep an eye Very on it because I, I still want it to be. I still hope it could be. But uh, yeah, I think our... our um, our vision for a Dune game they're very are very very different uh so yeah that's it it's a no from me <laughs> all right what about uh what about you john what are you looking forward to i uh i think i would be interested in coming back and playing more of this when they say oh we've we've put more story into it we've put more character into it and we've mm-hmm. put some weird shit in it i think it it is just missing that fundamental drive at the moment where it just you know that it's just uh it's a 4x rts without any interesting plot going on and you play it by yourself it's really hard to dive deep into the mechanics because the mechanics are the only thing that's there right like i don't don't, i'm not compelled to to find something more interesting going on here because the thing it has, which is game mechanics, I can't really even flex because the AI can't play against you. The AI is fucking terrible. Uh, and there's not other people to play against. So, Yeah, yeah, multiplayer will be a big deal um, for sure. Uh, I didn't actually realize there wasn't going to be multiplayer in the release build, <laughs> which kind of put a little bit of a damper on my spirits because I was looking forward to playing it uh, both with the, 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 the three MA backers and with uh, just some of my friends who are into Dune and into RTS. Um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing how, uh, how the campaign mode ends up looking and uh, more stuff with like characters on the map and doing things on the map, I think would be great. As I mentioned earlier on, um, I think that will probably do it for this week. Three Moves Ahead is hosted on the Idle Thumbs Network. Uh, you can join the discussion over on the Idle Forums over at idlethumbs.net slash 3MA. Um, we are also, as always, supported by listeners like you over on patreon.com slash 3MA, uh, where you can help us out for as little as a dollar. Uh, if you think you got a dollar's worth of entertainment out of three moves ahead this month, uh, we'd really appreciate any any little bit you want to chip in. Um, what's the other thing? Twitter? Yeah, Twitter. Uh, at 3MA on Twitter. Uh, give us your thoughts on the show. Let us know what kind of shows you'd, you'd like us to do. Um, any games you think we should be paying attention to. I actually had a really good tip uh, come from a, a one of our one of our uh, Twitter people about uh a new city builder called Capital with a K, which that's not the most 3MA thing you've ever heard of. I don't know what it is. Um, we're also going to be having... It might actually trash. <laughs> it might actually be out by the time you're listening to this, but we're uh, going to actually be posting a preview for everybody of uh, Rob and Troy's movie cast, which normally is for $5 and up people on the Patreon. Um, we're going to give you a little taste of that this month. Uh, just to to see, see, uh, they're 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 awesome, and I'm not, you know, I'm I obviously I'm biased in saying that, but I love editing them every month. Uh, those two, uh, going on about uh about some, this generally historically related films is always a blast to listen to. So check that out, and if you like it, uh, you can subscribe at the five dollar level and get one of those every month, including all the ones that they've done in, for the past you know, a couple years. So, um, yeah, for Fraser and for John, this is Len saying good night.